Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passion, and that's what I'm going to do for you when you listen to my show. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. The Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to the listener about career and financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and how to live a balanced life. My next guest, big fan of this young man, is the weatherman slash co-anchor on NBC's Today Show and co-host of the third hour of today. He's owner and CEO of his production company, Al Roker Entertainment Incorporated. He is on the show to discuss his new book, You Look So Much Better in Person. <laughs> That's a great title. His journey is about his journey, but it teaches us how we can weather the storm of life no matter how heavy the downpour and shares antidotes from his own treasure trove of memories of being in the spotlight most importantly you can purchase this book right now right now you can buy this book please welcome to money making conversation i'm calling my friend al roca hi rashawn how are you pretty good my friend uh this is a book about a tell first of all before i even get started after reading this book especially the end of chapter three well, you announced that you were you are a weatherman, a parade host, a production guy, master of ceremonies, an occasional author. Your your book could easily have been titled "I'm More Than a Weatherman" <laughs> or "Weather Person." I yeah, I guess it could have been. Um, uh, but you know, one of the things I've learned, one of the uh, best bits of advice I was given, yes, sir. was by Will was by Willard Scott, mm-hmm. who was my mentor, who's the man who helped me. Uh, uh, develop who I am said, you know, he goes, listen, two things. He goes, and this was at a dinner we were having. He said, always be yourself. Right. Because at the end of the day, they can take anything away from you, but they can't take you away from you. Um, and, and the other thing he said was never give up your day job. You know, no matter, uh, uh, because back then when we were having dinner, he was the, the number one, news personality in Washington, D.C. Right. And, you know, and and while he was doing that, he still had all these side hustles. Obviously, we didn't call them side hustles. Right. But but he always said, you know, at the end of the day, everybody knows me for this. And that's where all of this comes from. And so, you know, I, I try to do all these different things and take advantage of all these different opportunities. But the reason those opportunities come up is because I'm on the Today Show. Absolutely. You know, when I when I was reading the book, you know, you know, you travel from Syracuse, then you go down to D.C., then you go down to Cleveland, then you come back to New York City. It's it's a journey, but it's a journey about uh, about never giving up and working hard. That that seems to be the the message that you're trying to tell when an opportunity presents itself. Go for it, but when you go for it, give one hundred percent. That seems to be the well, the tone of the book. Correct. Well, here's the deal. My dad told me, I, I, I talk about this in my book. And, and, Absolutely. You know, my dad, and, and he is, uh, you know, I, I, we lost him uh, back in 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, I 
still, you know, I miss him every day. But one of the things that he told me in high school was, you know, and he said, listen, you are going to have to work twice as hard and be twice as good to get half as far as the white kid next to you. Absolutely. That's true. And, and I said, and I said to him, I said, but dad, that's not fair. He says, that's not called fairness. It's called life. Right. And he said, and, and if that's, that's what you're going to do. And I remember coming home one day with a report card that was less than stellar. And I thought, oh, he is going to just explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got home and he came home. He was, you know, working in, as a bus driver came home and my mother showed him the report card and he looked at me and he said, if you can tell me this is the best you can do, then I will accept it. Mm-hmm. But if this is not, I am really disappointed in you and got up and left the table. And I was like, damn. Uh, and I brought those grades up. Absolutely. You know, you know uh, when, you, when you say that about, because uh, I'm African-American, I'm a little 50. Um, and we talk about, you know, the times that we are in now, we're now COVID-19, we're the civil unrest. And I look at your career and I like to believe uh, that uh, you are a trailblazer. I believe that you was a trailblazer in Syracuse. You were a trailblazer in D.C., trailblazer in Cleveland and even a trailblazer today. And do 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 I'm just, I'm just asking this question now. Do you realize the significance of who you are as an African-American for somebody or my children to see you on TV? Well, you know, that that's very, uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say to that in, in that, uh, you know, you, I think, I think our goal, I think as, as a people is are just to do your job right. and do it to the best of your ability mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, that's what people see that, And not just that, you know, the, the you know, whether it's an Al Roker on TV or listening to a, a Rashawn on, on the podcast, you know, but, that when you see people in their line of work who do their line of work to the best of possibilities, mm-hmm. then that becomes, those people become role models. I was just talking with somebody, you know, growing up in New York City, you know, uh, uh, when I was a kid, you know, seeing a, uh, a, a, a Bill McCrary or a J.J. Uh, Johnston or a, or a Gil Noble or uh, Melba Tolliver, Bob Teague, you know, all these folks, you know, and, and to be honest, I never wanted to be on TV, but I remember what a big deal it was to see us on, on TV. TV. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying yeah. is that it's a big deal. You know, this story, your story starts in 68 when you were in college, you know, and uh, got this job, a weekend weatherman job. And, you know, and you went in there and and you 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 basically just I'm going I'm to I'm call him till he tell me to stop calling. And yeah, you know, the funny thing is, once I got the job, it was funny because I was going to be the first. You know, there have been people, you know, there were, we had black reporters and some black cameras. Absolutely. Our, that's, you know, that's what you know, I want to say. The, I don't want you to shy away. And not say shy away, no, but. I'm, I'm not shying away. Mm-hmm. I, but, I, I, you know, I guess here's the thing. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I've tried to raise my kids mm-hmm. that, uh, listen, dad's on TV. Right. But, you know what? Dad, dad's job is not any more important than uh, bus driver which my dad was uh, truck driver, firefighter, any of those folks, you know, as long as they are, do, because you know, it, once I'm off TV, I'm still me, but I'm not, you know, I'm not Al Roker on TV. I'm just Al Roker. So, you know, don't think that we're important that much more important just because of what I do. And you, you should be important 
for who you are, not what you are. Oh, though, th- th- absolutely. I'm not. I'm not shying away from what you're and, saying. And I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not saying that you are. I'm just saying this is what I've had to uh, kind of impart upon my kids because absolutely. You know, they've seen me fly into rage. Al Roker wearing a suit, holding a briefcase with them, trying to flag a cab in Man- mid-down Manhattan. And nobody stops. And that cab mm-hmm. passes you by for right. a white guy or a white woman half a block down who does, isn't dressed nearly as well as you are. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and so, you know, I said, look, in the, in the end of the day, and that's what's been so amazing about this. I, there's almost this, I wish I could have written this book post or, or, you know, during this pandemic, because Mm -hmm. it, it has brought out a lot of things. Right. And, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I am so grateful that I I did one of the last, if not the last interview with John Lewis. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, he talked about how hard, you know, just when you think maybe there's no hope, or you're feeling a little down about stuff. And he said, seeing these people, seeing this diverse group, this rainbow of Isn't it amazing? People, Isn't it amazing? Young people demonstrating that have said enough's enough. That And, and you know what, Rajan? I don't think this would have happened if we weren't in a pandemic. Because George Floyd would have just been another black guy who had been murdered. Right. Because we would have gone, we would have gone back to all. We would have said, "Oh, that's terrible," as a as a country. Oh, that's horrible. And then something else would come by to distract us. We would go back to our our world, go back to our jobs, go back to whatever we're doing, go back to our vacations. But this happened when we had no choice but to look. We could not look away. You know, and, and and that's and, you're and, saying the truth. You're speaking the truth, Al. Because you know this weekend, because uh, they, they told me I was uh, going to be interviewing you this Monday, and you brought up John Lewis because I was going to bring him up in this interview. And I'm not trying to um, make you uncomfortable, Al, when I talk to you about mm-hmm. who you are and what you mean to African Americans. Is that uh, when you know as much as I knew about John Lewis, when I see him walk down. That bridge in Selma, 25 years yeah. old. Yeah. That was for the first time I saw him. You know, I saw him. And yeah. and you are a pioneer. And you've written a great book, and all these great stories you tell are told are, 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 are checkpoints of history to me. To me. Because I know that uh, I'm in the entertainment business. I know the difficulty of what you have to do in entertainment to be successful, period. It, it, may, it may be the most difficult field that you can get in to try to be a person of color and try to be successful in entertainment. And yeah. you've achieved it. And I, and I say that because of the fact that in Syracuse, D.C., Cleveland, New York, you have to be a person of authority and accepted that the information coming out of your mouth is real and accurate. And you've achieved that for over 40 years. That's that's an incredible talent. And I just wanted to congratulate you on that. And that was important for me to let you know how I feel from a person, my daughter, my my, my family, that you have been important to the African-American community, my friend. And well, thank you. And that that that, that you know, it resonates in this book more when I read it because, it, it, you know, you, you you couch it very well with humor. But also the reality is. That you have to be, you have to be on, uh, quick on your feet. You have to be smart, and you have to be willing to work hard. And when the opportunity yeah. presents itself, you cannot shy away from it. That's what you. That's the no. tale of your book, right? And, and you know, it's funny because uh, uh, you know, I, I left 
I got a job in Syracuse, and then I got a job in Washington. And I moved to Cleveland, which was, you know, fairly, at the time, in the late 70s, was a fairly uh, racially polarized city. Yes, it was. Um, and uh, again, I was the first black weatherman there. Thank you. And um, uh, what saying. was interesting, I had a, we had an anchor guy. He was married to his co I'm a dog. And, and uh, yeah, Doug Adair. And, mm-hmm. and you know, nice man. I, you know, if you had asked me, is Doug racist? I'd say no, but Doug, you know, could say some things. And uh, one night, our uh, after our newscast, we were in downtown Cleveland, not a great time to be out after 11 o'clock. Uh, an older African-American gentleman who was homeless. Everybody knew him. Mm-hmm. Uh, came up behind Doug with a rolled up newspaper and kind of bopped him on the back of the head and ran mm-hmm. off. And that mm-hmm. was it. Well, the next day, Doug's telling everybody how he was assaulted and attacked. And we all kind of like, yeah, we wish we had been the one who had done it. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I uh, love it. Uh, uh, anyway, his his wife, his co-host, Mona, is about to introduce me. We're live on TV. And, she's, and now here's hey, Mona. Before you introduce Al, Al, I have to tell you, I don't know if you'd heard, but last night, after our 11 o'clock news, one of your people attacked me. Now, I, you know, it's one of those moments, Rashawn, where time stands still. You're trying to figure out how are how am I going to react to this? Is it outrage? Is it, and I finally, Live on I TV. Just, Live. Well, on TV, I looked at him and I said, Doug, why in the world would a, weather, would a weatherman attack you? And then <laughs> just moved, moved on. Uh, well, well, People were outraged for me. They called. You know, I mean, they had to suspend him. And then he came back to, uh, as a reporter, demoted, kind of a field anchor, as they called it. Mm-hmm. And then, like six, seven months later, he, he resigned, and he and his wife left, went down to Columbus, Ohio, and, you know, had a, another good 10 years down there. But, you know, it's, you know, you, you, you've got to pick your – look, there's so, there, there's so much that we can be outraged about right. that we have to pick our points. Right. Um, uh, George Floyd, beyond outrage. Um, um, you know, me being called out by an anchor man, you know, for some goofy thing, you know, maybe not so much. Uh, but, but you can have the same, you can have the same impact. You know, I was, um, thank you for that comment, Al. Yeah, you know, I'm talking to Al Roker, his fantastic book uh, that you can buy right now. You look so much better in person. True stories of absurdity and success. Um, I'm a guy, I get up at four o'clock every day, Al. You are a 3.45 a.m. guy. You you beat me by 15 minutes, my friend. (laughs) So I'll give you, I'll give you, I, I gotta bow down to you for that 15 minutes. And the reason I bring that up because a lot of my friends and co-workers and people that I that call me for motivation and advice, they said, Rashawn, why do you get up at four o'clock? Do you have to be anywhere at four o'clock? I said, no, no. I said, but it's a difference when I get up at four and a difference when I get up at six is how I prepare for the day. And uh-huh. and it's not so much and it's how you how you allow your body and your mind to go through. I get up, Al, I, I go downstairs, I stretch, I'm watching the news to about four thirty, I find out the weather. Then by five o'clock, I'm in my life. You know, I'm I'm on my yeah. own pace. And so tell us walk through the steps why that time, besides having to be to work at a certain time every morning, Monday through Friday, that three forty five is important to you. And we should and people should adhere to having a set time that they get up on a daily basis to be successful. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I find that I am most productive in that hour 
because I don't really need to get up till 4.45 or 5 o'clock or even 5.15, much like yourself. But there's no, there are no phone calls to be made. There are no emails to answer. There are no uh, kids' projects that you've got to work on. Uh, you don't have to, <laughs> uh, don't tell her I said this, answer to your wife. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. All you have to do is get up and do what you what you want to do. I don't like rushing, much like yourself. I do not like rushing mm-hmm. to get ready for work. I would rather, and, and to be frankly, to be frank, that's when I wrote most of this book mm-hmm. was during that that hour. Uh, either, and you know, we we find we tend to waste a lot of time. We do. You know, if if you could uh, uh, add up the time, you're you're kind of mindlessly scrolling the internet, you know, on the, uh, you know, looking at Twitter or, or Instagram or, and, and the time you're just looking at things to buy or whatever, you probably could find another 90 minutes in your day. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. And, and, I, and I tell people that I said there are 24 hours in a day, learn to take advantage of each hour. And that's what you're saying right now. When you say, look, I yeah. get up at 345, Rashawn, it's my time. Yep. So that's I, I tell people that I wrote that in the book. They said, you know, get up at least an hour before you have to, mm-hmm. uh, because you will be, you will be uh, surprised, and I think kind of amazed at how productive you that hour will be for you. That was a great that was a great uh, point of knowledge in your book. Another great point of knowledge I wanted to bring out was the power of relationships. And two people that stood out this book, and I always tell I always tell about people about my life is that people I didn't see the vision in me sometimes, and some people saw it, and they pushed me in the direction of or, or nudged me, or sometimes say, "Why are you still standing here looking at me? Get out!" And Chris in Cleveland, and you mentioned his name earlier, Willis Scott in the in the D.C. Talk about the significant role they played as far as the power relationships in your life to the career you have today. Well. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, Willard, you know, gave me all that advice and just nurtured, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, really got me ready for this. In, in a sense, he was, I, I, and I say this with no shame, uh, I consider him like a second dad. Right. He, in fact, if my dad was still alive today, they would be the same age. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, and, and he just, you know, he, he was, generous to a fault he still is but you know the idea when i was i was working at wnbc in new york and filling in for him and and he came to me and he said listen uh, it's it's my time i I, i'm going to step back a little bit um but they should be thinking about putting you in there and that's who i'm telling them but if they come to you just know that this is my choice uh now there there are very few people in this business who would do that um, and, and the person who set me up to be in that position was this woman, my news director, Chris Ostrowski, mm-hmm. um, in Cleveland, uh, she in Cleveland, she was the one who told me about the weekend weather job in New York. She said, look, they're looking for a weekend weather person. You're from New York. You don't need to be here anymore. Uh, I, call the news director, have your agent call the news director, tell him, I know that you're calling and you, you need to get down there and audition for that job. Um, and I auditioned my agent called, they said they loved it. They want you to start. And my station in Cleveland was about to, we had moved from third place to second and we were knocking on the door for first place. And the new, and the general manager said, here's what we'll do. If you agree to stay for another two years, uh, we will raise your salary. You'll be the second highest paid anchor person in, in, in Cleveland. Uh, we will 
guarantee at the end of those two years, you will move to New York as the weekend weatherman at the same salary that you're making now, which would have been far more than I would have been making in, in New York if I had taken the job. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I thought, you know what? Why not? Is, I love up. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. And I went in to tell my news director, and she said, Al, as your news director, (laughs) I think this is great news. It's fantastic. As your friend, I think you're making a huge mistake. You need to get out of here now. Now, who does that? You know? Uh, And and that's all I'm saying. Who did that was something, somebody who saw something in you that you weren't ready to accept. I know I I say that because it's happened to me. And I say that to people all the time is that you value relationships. And she's your mentor as well. And I'd like to believe Willard is your mentor. And people see stuff and they tell you don't relax because your gifts were greater than what were being offered in Cleveland. Go to New York, young man. Go there and challenge yourself. And that move is the move of why we see you today. On the Today Show. Yep. And Absolutely. That be, now, you know, we talked about earlier about, you know, all these different jobs. Now they call it multiple streams of income. You know, back in the day, they used to say we were Jamaicans when we had those many jobs. But now, oh, now right. it's called multiple streams we're, we're of income. Side hustles. Right, 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 right. Now, now it's properly using multiple streams. Got to have multiple streams of income if you want to make it in, this, in the world today. Now, one of those multiple streams of income is the Al Roker Entertainment Incorporated Production Company. Tell us about that and why was it important that you start and produce things out of that production company? What's your name? Well, you know, I always wanted, as I said, I didn't want to be on TV. I wanted to be in TV. I wanted to work in television. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always wanted to produce. And and in 1994, I uh, I did a couple of uh, specials for the Food Network just as a host. And uh, and I saw, and they wanted me to do some more, and I thought, why can't I produce these? So I asked the, the general manager of, at the time, who used to work with me at WNBC, and she said, sure. And I really enjoyed it. And so kept producing shows, did some for the Weather Channel, and mm-hmm. uh, Lifetime, and some other places. We're, we're, uh, we're about to announce a, an animated series for a network I can't mention right now. Uh, we're doing stuff with a, um, we, we just have a, a, a very varied group of uh, projects. One uh, that looks at uh, veterans coming back with brain injuries mm-hmm. uh, with a group called Life Aid. It's called Life Aid, a, a story of hope. It's going to air the end of August mm-hmm. on Discovery, American Heroes, mm-hmm. and uh, the Science Channel. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, it, it's important to me to, to be able to have a voice. Right. To be able to, you know, have a, a say in in what we do and how we do it. Now, what is the difference then? You know, I'm talking to Al Roker, his great book. You should buy it right now called You Look So Much Better in Person. Uh, when, when, when you're because I use the word, you are a star, you're a media star, you're a television star, you're on a very popular uh, morning uh, news broadcast. And we, you're a weather expert or authority. When people walk by, they ask you to weather jokingly or seriously. That's who you are. Now you're a producer, a different hat. Does it, does it, what is the difference of the two other than the fact that you are a media star as a talent? Now you're becoming a media star as a producer. What's the difference? Oh, you know, in, in a sense, they're, they're very much the same in that you want to, you, you know, what do you want people to come away with? Do you, do you, do you want them to feel like they've wasted their time? Or do you want them to feel like they've had some value added mm-hmm. uh, by watching you or by watching something you've produced? Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I like to say that there's no show, although my kids are older now, but there's no show that I've produced that I wouldn't be proud to have my kids watch. Um, uh, or my parents watch. Right. And, and, and look, I, I, we could be a far bigger production company. Uh, but you know, by doing certain kinds of programs, I just don't want to do those. And uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to bring this comment up and I want you to respond to it. It's about hard work. And sometimes when you work hard, you, you might not get paid extra or might not feel appreciated when you're working that hard. And I, and I feel it was a major move to the success that you are today because that's what the book lays out to me. Each each chapter tells a story about, OK, this is what I had to do. Now, was I happy doing it? No, but I had to do it. And it led to this. And one of those examples was when you work when Dr. Frank Fields, before he was moved over to CBS and thought it was going to be greener pastures. You worked hard for eight straight eight straight weeks with only two days off, you know. That could have been a breaking point. You could have said enough is enough. You say, hey, I want more money. This is not right. You could have, you could have complained. But why did you? Sure. Well, here's the deal for two things. And it may sound corny, but uh, I I love what I do. I mm-hmm. mean, to be in this industry, you know, people say, oh, you work so hard. I said, you know what? My dad drove a bus for eight hours a day, worked a lot of overtime. Sometimes we wouldn't see him for a couple of days. That's really hard work. This is work, but I, I, I love what I'm doing. Uh, it's not a job. It's, it's, it's my, my passion. So if in the long term, this is going to bring me something, I don't know if it is or not. But all I know is that if I give somebody else the opportunity to do it, then I don't get that opportunity. So I will put in the hours. I will bust my butt. Mm-hmm. to do it mm-hmm. uh, because I want I want whatever's going to come after it, not somebody else. Well, what came out of it in NBC, you got rolled into the studio uh, in, a, in a chocolate cake and you've been <laughs> there ever since. <laughs> just before we just tell us, how did the chocolate cake scenario come out? And the fact you got rolled into the studio in a chocolate cake. Yeah. Well, you know, it was it was uh, <laughs> one of the know, funnier somebody, moments in the book, by the way, Al. It was it. Well, thank you. It, it's I mean, listen, the, the, you do what you got to do. Right. Somebody suggested it, and I thought, why not? You know, uh, what's the worst that can happen? Luckily, I'm not allergic to chocolate. Right. <laughs> well, my friend, I want to thank you for coming on my show. I have a newsletter that goes out uh, to ninety thousand people, ninety four thousand people every Wednesday. I want to drop your book in there. I have a million social media followers. Ninety percent are female. Please tell them to send me some banners and links so I can drop it into my uh, <laughs> my social media posts. My friend, I, I admire you. Thank you for allowing us to have an honest conversation. Uh, every time you turn, every time I watch that TV, you're a blessing, my friend. Don't change and keep raising Thank that great family and leaving us leading us all my friend in a positive direction thank you Aroka. thank you take care all right we'll be right back with more from Rashawn mcdonald and money making conversations don't touch that dial cars today are like computers on wheels but you can't fix any of the new features yourself so when something breaks it could cost you a fortune and now is not the time for expensive repairs that's why you need car shield car shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair including computers gps electronics and more car shield understands payment flexibility is a must plans are customizable and as low as 99 dollars a month no long-term contracts or commitment plus you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work 
and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY. Or visit carshield.com and use code MONEY to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. Welcome, welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. And contrary to her family's musical legacy, her first passion is acting. But you can hear her wonderful singing voice on multiple Grammy Award winning projects, including Mary Mary's The Sound and the Green and the Grammy Award winning Greenleaf soundtrack. She currently stars in the hit TV series Greenleaf and plays Charity. Greenleaf Saturday. <laughs> Please welcome the money making conversation, Deborah Joy Winings. <laughs> what is up? How are you? I'll tell you, so it's beautiful. I'm happy you took time. Uh, we know it's winding down. August 11th is the final day of, uh, of Greenleaf. Before we even get there, just talk about the whole experience. And I also want to talk about the, the after you say that, I want to go back to your single, I Won't Start Breathing, because I got to talk about that. It drops on the 31st. I played it five times this morning. I get up at four o'clock, so I have a little time to just listen to great wow. music. So, And we're going to talk about that, but let's talk about the whole Greenleaf experience and your character arc over that over this period. Yes. Um, wow. Thank you. Greenleaf has been a, a, a dream. You know, something mm-hmm. that you feel like maybe comes once in a lifetime. Uh, the way that it happened, I knew it was God. Um, you know, Oprah saw me during a workshop in right. New York and remembered me from that and called. I didn't have an agent. She said, I'll send your stuff to whoever I need to send it to. I believe that you need to audition for this role. I, I see you in this. And, you know, it's okay that nobody knows who you are right now. Mm-hmm. I've seen you. And I just thought, okay, God, what? It, never in a million years that I... First of all, okay, read. God, but Oprah, though. You know, they've Oprah. Oprah saying it all is, this, okay? But but you know, <laughs> God uses whoever He decides. There to you use, go. And the fact that He used her is just mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And so Greenleaf was a dream, a joy. It was. Um, it didn't come in the correct order, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Hollywood deems how you get the roles. You got to do this first, and then you got to do this. And so it's been an all around incredible experience. I have worked with Keith David and Lynn Whitfield and Oprah Winfrey and Lamont Rucker, just an all-star cast. Yes, and you I've have. learned so much from the beginning. And um, my character, who everybody just is, you know, they, they love to hate her and they hate to love her. Um, but I think that she's real. And she, you yes, saw she her grow up on Greenleaf. You saw her um, learn from her mistakes. You saw her become a woman. You yes. saw her um, fall down and keep getting back up. And, and being strong. And being strong that. now. Let's go yes, add that in there. Being strong. Mm-hmm. She is a fighter and she will not allow anyone, not her parents, not her siblings, no one to hold her hostage to her past mistakes. 
You know, it's really amazing. I, you know, Lamont, I know very well. I've had him on the show. Lynn, I've had on the show. She enjoyed it. Keith was just recently on the show when the show premiered. And but your character has been a, a compelling character for me. That character we're talking about is is Charity because she's falling down, and then there's then it looks like she's a traitor. Then it looks like she doesn't mm-hmm. understand emotionally. She looks like she's about to find love, and then a, then she's. Then it's mm-hmm. then that's traded off into a bad situation. And so but you stood your ground with your character. And I just love the way you're being brought back into the family, the family. Mm-hmm. And I like the way the season is allowing to say that everybody has flaws. And that's what life yeah. is about. And so you can't point a finger. Like the other thing to say, if you point a finger at somebody, remember, another part of that hand is pointing back at you. Exactly. And I look at that character, I go, wow. So th- now this this season here is has been special because of the fact that, you know, we thought you was about to be the man of your dreams. Yeah. And he left you, Charity. He left you Ooh. for the skinny white lady. Ain't that something Ooh. in this climate? Oh, Ain't my God. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and the funny part about it, you know, and you play it well, too, Charity. Every time you look at her. Every time you look at her, it looks like she got some, she ain't got enough meat on her bones. Every time you look at her. She, she need a she need a Big Mac. There you go. Cause you looked at her last night when I was watching you went. When you walked in that office and you go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to talk to your dad. You need to talk to your father. Yourself. Yes. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. But you know, the, the thing about it is you when, when I look at your character. What surprised you the most when you, okay, you got the opportunity to play this role, all right? You you, you, know, mm-hmm. say you were a newbie. You didn't have the resumes that everybody else had when you walked up mm-hmm. to the set. How did you mm-hmm. really start feeling comfortable about yourself in the process of developing this character and accepting the responsibilities of being this character charity? Well, this is what I will say. Um, when you do do your work, and uh, and you're in Hollywood and you continuously get a lot of no's. Yes, ma'am. Stay consistent in doing your work because when you do get that yes, the work will be there to, to allow you to stand tall. And so I got comfortable. Uh, I, I went there semi-comfortable because I, I know my gift. I know what I can do. I know the training that I've gone through. I know the hours that I've put in. But when we did the first day of shooting, season one, we did that table scene. And that was my first time with Keith Lynn. That was my first time with everybody. Right. And Oprah was there. And uh, we did my close-up. I was the second person to get a close-up. And my fourth take, I nailed that thing. And when they called cut, Oprah came over to me crying. And she said, that's it. That was it. That was it. And she said, I'm done. And when I knew that she didn't regret that for a moment, the decision she made to champion me, even when people said I didn't have it, I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. Now let's get in here and let's work. Let's grow. Let's learn. I'm, there's no way I'm not going to grow when I'm sitting next to someone like Keith David and Lynn Whitfield. But Absolutely. at that point, I was ready to not just do my work, but to learn and to keep growing. Right. Um, that's, that's when I got comfortable. And then learning... All of the sides of Charity. Charity is so multifaceted and she's so many things and she's, she's a single mom. She's been through so much and she's just real. 
she's really real and relatable. We're very relatable. Yeah. And I want to talk about uh, because we're going to get back to this because I'm not through with anybody listening. I'm not through with Greenlee. But when you have a last name like Winans, okay, you just remember mm-hmm. that's W. I-N-A-N-S. Okay. That is a legacy of music because I know BB and I know CC. Well, I have my boy BB mm-hmm. on the show. And so mm-hmm. you got to be able to sing. Even if you can't sing, you got to make up some notes like you can sing. Find an instrument, some drums, some something. got to be music related. When you got whining as your last name. You have this beautiful song. You know, the video dropped in June because I was watching it last night. And the single drops Friday, July 31st is called I Won't Stop yeah. Breathing and it's dedicated yeah. to the victims of racial violence, including George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Trayvon Martin, yeah. Armand Arbery. I'm down in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm very familiar with Armand Arbery's situation. It's on the news on a daily basis. Yeah. Breonna Taylor out of Louisville, yeah. uh, Trayvon Martin out of Florida, and of course, George Floyd. Death, unfortunate death, has inspired all these uh, incredible changes that we're about. But I won't stop breathing at the, I just want to quote something at the very front. Uh, it's a James Baldwin quote that you have at yeah. the very front of the video. To be a Negro yeah. in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be enraged almost all the time. That's yeah. an amazing statement because as a black man, uh, because cause I remember when the, when, the, when the riots broke out, I had a lot of white friends call me asking me how how was I? Was I all right? Mm-hmm. And I had to explain to them that the how you see is me all the time. That don't mean I'm happy. Yeah. But, but I am not happy when a policeman stops me because I'm concerned as to why he's stopping me because I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen at that stop. And that's what that line is saying, that black people are constantly Absolutely. in a rage. And we have to we've learned to deal with that. And that's not fair because it affects your health. And what was your thought process? I know I'm sharing my thoughts, but an amazing quote by James Baldwin to lead off your video. And you close it with the amazing President Barack Obama speaking. Talk about that whole sequence of putting this together. Then we talk through the to the through the lines of the of the song, because I'm a lyricist and I love listening to great music. Talk to us. Deborah Joy Winans. Um, yes, I won't stop breathing. It's, you know, we went through a, a hard time and I recognize that the pandemic of the coronavirus is still going on, but really all that did to me, and I just, God makes no mistake, Right. this whole world got shut down and everybody had to watch what was really happening to black people around this country Talk. and nobody could turn a blind eye nobody could say well I, I didn't get a chance to see that I, I was doing this or I was traveling or I was no everybody's butt was in a house they couldn't go nowhere and they were forced to see the tragedy and the plight of the black life and um for me it awakened me to a whole new level because someone was murdered in broad daylight mm-hmm. with, and this man just did not care and mm-hmm. and and it, it hurt me so deeply. And, and I am a woman of faith. I love the Lord. This was the first time in my life where I said, Jesus, where are you? Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't feel you right now. Mm-hmm. It just hurt. And so, um, after a couple of weeks of just, just in my feelings, you know, when you're at that place of, you ain't got nothing good to say, so don't say nothing at all. Right. I didn't have anything good to Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and then one day I got out of the shower and it just hit me. I said, oh, my God, 
I grabbed my husband. I said, that song that I just did a demo for. Because I decided if I'm going to do music, it needs to be something I love. It needs to be something that I can relate to right. that, that feels sincere to me or else it won't feel sincere to anybody else listening. I don't want to do things just to do it. And so I had already decided I wanted to do this song. I just didn't know, you know, where it would be placed or what it would be for. And I said, that demo that I just did, the song that my brother wrote, that's for right now. That's for right now. I have this idea. I want to do this visual. Um, I want this, this, and this. I said, we need to honor our people, our people that are dying every day for no reason. And my husband took everything I said. I called a bunch of my friends. I was like, I just need you to make a video and hold the sign. And they were like, what? I was like, do what I say. Do what I say, please, please. You sure and, did. They, um, they held it up for you, too. Look, they did. I love them dearly. And I. Um, and some of your cast members came him, through, too, for you as well. Yes, they did. That's my family. And, um, and so I told my husband what I wanted. He put it together. And he was like, well, do you want to go and, like, re-record the song, like, you know, uh, in, in a better way? I said, no, I don't care about my voice. Like, this is what it is. It's about this visual. It's about this moment. It's about these people recognizing um, that there is hope. For me, this song allows you to have this heartbreak. It allows you to feel the way you feel. It's okay that you are angry, but it also lets you know in your anger, you cannot let go. You cannot stop breathing just because somebody else doesn't think that you're worthy or you're worth it. You are. And, and, and to me, the ultimate letting them win is to stop breathing. Mm-hmm. And so we won't stop breathing. We don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the light. That's the thing that I think people need to see. But the, the, the people that went out and started protesting right away, those frontliners, we are all with you. And together, it, we will not stop. And that was, my, that was my heart. That's been my hope. And then, you know, the, we put the visual out and then people were like, oh, can we get the song? Is it? Oh, you want you want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, dang, okay. Oh, oh, oh. I, gotta get I was I was just emotionally charged, you know. I was I was just I was just uh you know showering. It just hit me. Right. And told my husband. Told some people to hold up a sign. And I watched the video you know? five times this morning. And I go, <laughs> okay, this is because you know because let's just here's some complimentary things I got to say. You're a beautiful woman. Thank you, thank Deborah, you. And you have a brilliant smile. And so, and then, but that that's not what's important in this video. You didn't care about makeup. You didn't care. Mm-hmm. You, you were just, you, I saw a raw, uh, emotional person. And I yeah. wanted to ask you, because that's an important question for, because you have a gift to, to be able to sing. But when emotion can kind of interfere with that process, how did you mm-hmm. hold it together, Deborah, in singing this great song, I Won't Stop Breathing? Oh, I, I barely did. I, um, I, I was crying because mm-hmm. we shot, we, the stuff of me, we shot right in our home. Right. And I just, I kept telling my husband, I'm like, well, I can't, I need a second because thinking about it makes me angry. Thinking about it hurts my heart. Thinking about it is like, Oh God, why are there so many names? Right. And so I didn't hold it together. I, I, I broke down several times and, um, but that's, that's where we are and mm-hmm. I know that that's okay. So there was no holding anything together. <laughs> we don't, you know, like this is the idea 
And, uh, you know, you, you, you sit around and you say, hold up this sign. I won't stop breathing. And then send me the video. How did it feel when they, when the videos started coming in to you? How did, how did that feel to you when you saw? Wow. Oh my gosh. It blessed my heart to know that I had people that really are my friends, really are there for me, whatever you need. Um, and it was just a sign that we are all together in this and we're all going to fight this as best we know how we're all going to offer whatever we have to offer. And that's what I tell people. It doesn't matter if you are like, well, I'm not a protester. That's okay. Uh, well, I can't really donate. That's okay. Uh, but there's something you can do with your time to serve the movement, to serve the cause, to push the needle forward. There is something you can do. If you got breath in your body, there's something you can do. So find your something. You know, I, I, when you say that statement about Rashawn, you say, Rashawn, look, it was just the right time. You know, the pandemic got people to just sit down, watch TV and then create conversation. That's what the lockdown did for us when we saw this mm-hmm. George Floyd situation, because you see how white people are reacting to this. You know, black people, we've been angry. All, we were born angry. OK, we've been mad. Yeah. We've, been, we've been dealing with systemic racism, blatant racism uh, uh, of all types since Based on our color, the color of our skin, I always tell people when I walk in the room, I'm a black man. I'm black. You yes. Know? You, can, yes. You, 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 you can be and white and you can be you different things. And, you know, and so that's understood. What is your thoughts when you see that? that? To me, I'm so happy because I know that they're, they're, they're participating. I'm happy they're angry because of the fact that there can be no change unless they see there's a need for change. Absolutely. There, there can be no change unless they see the need. Um, but don't, if, if the gloves are off, yes. I'm not going to baby you. I'm yes. not, I don't have white friends calling me talking about, what can I do? Go do some research. Yes. Stop talking to there me about go. it. There I'm done go. talking. I'm done trying to hold your hand through this. No, you need to hold my hand and have my back. There you so go. You go do the work and you figure out a way that you can help and you can lend that that privilege that you have been born with to the cause they figure out a way that's mr trump michigan talking right there mr trump michigan talking right there girl come on now come on now that's it and there's nothing wrong with that and and that's why you know and 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 he's seeing this you know i brought you on the show to talk about greenleaf and then they told me about this video and this song that was dropping this friday july 31st i'm gonna tell you tell your people to send me banners so i got almost a million social media followers i got fan clubs and all this 90 percent of my followers are female and so i want to drop it on friday if it's dropping on friday i wish sean mcdonald yeah. wants to drop it on his social media on friday too that's that's my blessing that's the blessing of this relationship and this brand that i have because i'm doing this for free because you know god has given me a gift and elaine now elaine to talk to people the way I want to talk and ensure them that Amen. I am there for you. Now, with yeah. that being said, you closed the video with a message from former President Barack Obama. Tell us about that. Well, I think that's the light. I think that that is, um, you know, once we get past that sort of hurting place and that rage, um, we we end on the fact that we recognize that there is evil in this world, but we can overcome that. Mm -hmm. We can. And he represents so much to us, not only his, his wisdom, Mm -hmm. but the fact that he was our first black president, the fact that he's been there, the fact that he's done that, the fact that people like John Lewis were a God, they were able 
to see that come to fruition, that we, we've come a ways, we've got a ways to go, but my God, we had President Barack Obama, and to me, he represents hope. Girl, oh, I invited the right person on the show. Come on, <laughs> preach, preach! Because you know, because because that whole John Lewis thing, you know, it is it it, it it. When I see twenty five years old, when he was seventeen years old, he met Rosa Parks. When he was eighteen years old, he met Dr. Martin Luther King. Twenty five years old, he had the courage to walk over a bridge. He's not a big man now, and nope. and walk into that. I don't know emotionally how fast my heart would have been beating. I don't know if I'd have been that. That and that close to the front, okay. But yeah. to see that moment and to see him get to walk along in DC and that Black Lives Matter mall that they've created, it's, yes. a, it's a testament that God allowed him to see that, experience yeah. that, be a part of that because he, he was at the last stage because he was really frail. You can see physically he had lost a yeah. lot of weight, but he made that trip like he made all those trips. For us. Mm -hmm. And now yeah. your song is another song that's making a trip. It's part of the bigger perspective. We don't have individual leaders, but yeah. Deborah, you are a leader. You are a person mm -hmm. who has woke up one day and said, look, it's not about fame. It's about how I feel. And social media yeah. allows me to be able to communicate my voice in a positive manner and remind people. It's not about you being my fan. It's about we can all make a difference. And this song about Absolutely. is about you allowing you to make that difference. And I want to say thank Amen. you on that part. Thank you on that part. Amen. Now, let's thank get back you. to Greenleaf, girl, before we wrap up here, because there's two episodes left. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little, little, little assessment on me about Greenleaf. Strong female characters. And I'm talking to pastor because she wants to be a pastor. You know, that's her goal now. Pastor yes. Charity Greenleaf. That's what she wants to be now. Everybody needs to know that. Yeah. She is fighting to be seen for who she is despite anyone else's thought or feelings about her. That who that I felt that character is. And then you Absolutely. have other dynamic characters who play a different role like Rochelle and Tyra. About the house. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at it, because when I had Lynn on the show, I said, you know, rarely do you see shows like this where you have male characters. But this show is really about females and their perspective and their role that they play and the dominance that they have in our world today. And that that really that really drove home to me the journey that your character because you, you had to like had to pull your spirit up. And be able to deal with, you know, the the, the male female relationships, the, the sister mm -hmm. brother relationship, but also the relationship, and have this character become what it is today. Because I love the character. I've always I always enjoy it because it's real. But also, I I have mistakes in my life, and so and I have to yeah. deal with it. And so you had to deal with it in a famous family. We're talking about the show now, because mm -hmm. you you mm -hmm. deal with it in the real life too, because of your name, Winans. Absolutely. And so so that's why when I when I see that Oprah looked at you, she. You know, this was a very relatable story from the standpoint of, you know, it's gospel. Okay. You're famous. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to have you over the choir. You can sing. So, so mm -hmm. this character has been brilliantly designed for you. It's not the, it's not, you know, you say this is a wonderful blessing and opportunity in your life. Believe me when I say this to you, Deborah, God has some great things that are going to happen to you because you are a talented girl. You are talented. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I receive it. And you should receive this as well. That moment last night when all three of you guys were like laughing. I'm talking about Grace or Gigi, if you want to call her that. Uh -huh. and Jacob and y'all. That was that was unique to me because I think for me in the series, 
that was the that was the journey that you all came to realize that mom is flawed so we can relax. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's when we were able to really see each other for who we are, see the beauty in our flaws, see the beauty in our differences and and be good with it. Be okay with it. Cause lady because Lady May was all over Poe Jacob. Poe Jacobs boy, he just thought she was a she was a she was a female Jesus the way he was talking to her. He just said, Man, I can't understand. You you pull up at the car, what's going on? What's going on? Absolutely, and she Absolutely. make that statement and stuff like that. So, and now we have a different. We have a. We have two episodes left. I'm not asking yeah. you to reveal anything. Rashawn knows the show. Okay, I know. I know yeah. Sophia. I know she didn't put the little the little pictures out there online. Now the mama know about uh-huh. that. I know about the little boy, the little son. You know he he got HIV. He's dealing with that. Looks like his spirits are coming up because he's get the GTO car design with you know with the bishop and mm-hmm. now he may lose the house and all these good stuff. We find out that Bob is a rip off audience. Been ripping off black people for years with predatory lending and then. Zara, she wants to leave New York because of possible divorce between mom and dad. And then, mm-hmm. what is what do you fall in all of this, my dear? As we go to the finish line, August eleventh. Ooh! And oh, by the way, Fernando is a thug. We find out Fernando is a thug. Oh yeah, Fernando's a total thug for sure. Um, ooh, the finish line. I think I think what you find is that the family will recognize. There you go. For the first time in all these years that they are much better together. Thank you. Than they are with their own separate ideas mm-hmm. and circumstances and desires. Mm-hmm. They are better together. They come back together. They come back to the foundation of who they are. They come back to their love for uh, each other and their love for God. And, mm-hmm. and that's the way to, to move forward. And I think that that is the beauty of how um, we kind of complete this journey. Congratulations. Family understands that mm-hmm. family is first. Right. Now, to my understanding, you have another project that's coming up, another movie project that's coming up? I do. I'm this, actually this. here filming now. Um, there you go, girl. Come on now. I told you. I told be... you blessings were coming. I told you. I told you. I told you. You I told did. You. you did. And I received it. Um, no, it's it's really, really amazing. I'm not allowed to talk about it. Okay, cool. No problem. Yet, but I'm super grateful. It's an amazing cast, amazing director, mm-hmm. and uh, something very, very different from Charity. So I'm super excited for everyone to check it out. Well, all I know is that um, you, you know, you, you can, you're a brilliant singer. You you can definitely act. I you stay at the course, you know, and uh, and believe that the path that this show has presented to you has created a fan base for you. Uh, also created a, a base for you to be able to announce how you feel, and you can put it on video or put it in a song. Again, the finale of Greenleaf is August eleventh, but more importantly, Friday, July thirty first. Tell us about that song and why we should why we should buy it. Do your thing Friday, now, Deborah. July thirty first. Friday, July thirty first. <laughs> I won't stop breathing. Is my new single. I think go. if you feel like you need any piece of hope, yes, it is something that you should grab. It Hallelujah. will allow you to feel. Mm-hmm. It will allow you to heal. Mm. Well, more importantly, it allowed me to understand that people like you 
can take the time. And fame is interesting because of some of the things that we find ourselves uh, being distracted. Like you said, you about to, you know, you you doing a press. This is basically a press junket right now, talking about Green mm-hmm. Lake, talking about your, talking about your upcoming single. Then also you're on the mm-hmm. set of a new movie that you can't talk about. Then you also have to have a balanced <laughs> life that you have to deal with. Yes. Deal yes. with the pandemic. Yes. You got to deal with being black in yes. America. But for you to yes. say, hey, you know, so Rashawn, I just want to let everybody know I care, and I also let everybody know I do feel there's the situation that we all live in, not just me. Because, you know, we all Absolutely. have a slice of life where we live a little bit better than other people. Absolutely. But we all should be treated as the same. And I just want to thank Amen. you for coming on my show, Deborah. And uh, keep, thank you keep, for having and, me. And keep living the wine's name, girl. The wine's <laughs> name. But I love you. I Amen. really I love you. I know I called you at the last minute to be on the show. And the fact you showed up, let you know you believe in Rashawn, because I had something to tell you, girl. I had something I to tell sure you. I sure do. I believe in you and I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me. Be safe now. Thank we talk so soon. Much. And when this movie come out, I want you to come back on and we talk about this movie, okay? Absolutely. And tell them to send me the information <laughs> so I can promote you on Friday, that song when it drops, okay, on my social media. Yes, All sir. All right. Yes, sir. Be straight. Be Thank strong. You. Talk to you soon. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. My next guest is a three-time NAACP Image Award-nominated actress, actor, producer, author, and motivational speaker. You have seen him starring in shows like movies like Soul Food, Lincoln Heights, Stomp the Yard, and he also can be seen on the UMC new drama series Double Cross. The original series is now streaming right now on UMC. He is currently one of the stars on Carl Weber and BET Plus. It was on BET, now it's on BET Plus, the family business as Orlando Duncan. You hear me? Orlando Duncan. He's dangerous, y'all. The charismatic son of L.C. Duncan, even more dangerous, played by Ernie Hudson. And the mama, Valerie. Woo, Charlotte. Oh, she, boy, this show is incredible. The Duncans are a prominent family from Jamaica, Queens, who own an exotic car dealership called Duncan Motors. By day, they are an upstanding family. By night, they live a dangerous secret life. And it's about sex, murder, more sex, mafia, more sex, drug cartels. The Duncans are a ride-or-die family. Please welcome the money-making conversation. He plays the character Orlando Duncan, but his real name is Darren DeWitt Henson. How you doing, brother? <laughs> oh, it's good to be on with you, man. I love that introduction. That's a beautiful introduction. Hey, you know, you know, you know something, Darren, is, uh, you know, man, um, you know, just seeing your career, man, Soul Food, did it with my girl, Felicia Henderson, and just uh, coming on the show when I was managing Steve Harvey and all those years, just talking and just seeing your career, man. And it's, it's a body of work, man, that you have to be proud of, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative. You know, I, I was able very, very early on to watch very successful people. And as you said, not just success financially, but success mentally, mm-hmm. success spiritually. And what I've found is that that comes from um, what we do often. You know, what's done in the dark is done uh, is shown in the light. So right. when you're working, when nobody can see you, then it gets shown in the light. I believe those people are, are the blessed ones. And um, so I don't, I don't wait for anybody to acknowledge me or recognize me. They'll see the work um, when it appears, but the work has to be done when nobody is watching. Well, guess what? A lot of people watching you, my friend, and you know that, too, in your social media, when you're walking down the street, you're buying groceries. You are a very recognizable face now, aren't you, sir? Yes, sir. And I and, and I'm thankful for it. And I appreciate it, you know, all the way from dance to choreography to now acting and, and, and authoring. I'm just, uh, you know, I've been given the ability to be inspired to do all of these things. And so 
I just do them. I just do them. I get it done. Well, let's let's talk. Let's let's go to acting first, okay? And then we're gonna slide into entrepreneurship, which is your your clothing line, T-shirts, and then we're gonna go into the uh, BT Plus, uh, Carl Weber's, uh, the family business. Now, UMC, new drama, Double Cross. Tell us about that and what time and day yes, it comes. It, 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 yes, Double Cross is streaming live right now on the UMC network. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows that Bob Johnson, uh, that's yes, his network, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Crystal. Uh, and Howard Gibson created this show called Double Cross, and it's fantastic. I played Detective Ryan on yes, the show, and the, and the show is about a, a set of twins who are actually vigilantes, but vigilantes for good. So in some aspect, they're superheroes. They are against child trafficking, and they decided to do something about it. And, um, you know, it's Eric and Erica Cross, uh, and... Uh, played by Jeff Loges and, and Ashley Williams. And I believe it's the first of its kind. And um, I was uh, blessed to get called by, by Howard Gibson. You know, he said, look, man, I want Darren Henson to, to play this detective. Powerful. And, uh, oh man, it was, it was beautiful. You know, a lot of times in, in this industry, you've got to audition and do things. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's beautiful to just be called because of your past work. And that's what they say, you know, your, your, your past work is, is your audition for your next job. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, I've been blessed to have done many different movies and TV shows mm-hmm. by um, call and response. So what that simply means is my work is now speaking for itself. And I've been blessed to be in the role of Detective Ryan on the Double Cross series, um, which uh, is, uh, as I said, again, on the UMC network. We have six episodes there and it's the first of its kind. This type of show has never been seen before. And it's one of those thriller shows that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, and I think impactful shows because of the topic at hand. And so, again, it's 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 something that I'm very, very proud of. And uh, we are already looking forward to the second season and our greenlit in the second season. Wow. That's really important because I always tell people about, about the entertainment business because there's so much uncertainty. And when you mm-hmm. see you have a check coming, you can kind of breathe a little, relax a little bit and say, hey, man, I got a, I got a check coming because I can plan differently. Where sometimes I've been on shows where you think you're about to do 20 episodes and over after three. Because that's the uncertainty of this Absolutely. business. And how, do, how, how have you mentally been able to deal with that over the years, Darren? Well, you know, I learned, as I said, very early on, I had the ability to work with Michael Jackson, with mm-hmm. Prince. Mm-hmm. You know, as most people know, you know, I uh, created the dance steps for NSYNC's Bye Bye Bye, worked with Britney Spears, worked with uh, Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias. So very early on, I learned to manage money. And, 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 and there was a saying, you know, you can work hard for your money or you can make your money work hard for you. Right. You know, Master P. Uh, talks about that all the time. And so when you, when you have great mentors, um, and, and in society, you can see other people's failures. That's a great teacher as well. Right. And so I've, I've been able to, um, you know, do what I was told to do, which is make my money work for me and not disrespect the process of money. Money is a currency and it needs to keep flowing. So investments were important to me. Giving to the right people at the right times were important to me. And then being a blessing to people is incredibly important. Not throwing away money, but blessing the right people 
where it becomes a seed that gets planted and rooted, which germinates and grows into a tree that produces fruit that creates other seeds. So for those people who are, are spiritual in their thought, you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. That way, that way you don't have to be of those who are, um, who are just uh, surviving, but you could be thriving because of things that you have done that speak for you in the past. It's really amazing when I look at the, you know, when I say amazing, I mean, when we're younger, you know, we, just, we we don't see it. We don't even project. We're just doing it. We're just doing it. As you get older, you know, the opportunities get less and less because that's what getting old in Hollywood does to you. And you that's appreciate right. the moments that you get, but you really get that moment from your resume or your body of work. That's, That's right. why it's important, the relationships that you cultivated, going on sets, being a professional, being the, showing up on time, being dependable. That's what really what we're talking about on this call is that your career and the, and the quality of work, the quality of respect and the professionalism is what's keeping you in the business, along with your talents. But sometimes talents can be usurped because of ignorance. That's right. Talent will only take you so far. I mean, you, you and I, we have seen each other many different times, you know, along the years. And one of the things that is important is you, you got to know that talent can only get you so far. You have to have great work ethic. You also have to have great relationships that you consistently build in this industry. You know, there's a saying, each one teach one, maybe we can reach one. And what we know um, in this universe is the constant is change. People are changing from high positions all the time. You know, CEOs, COOs of company are always interchanging. So relationships are very, very important. And then your mind developing is, is very important. Uh, because nothing stays the same. You know, technology is growing. So there are people, imagine being a person who uses a typewriter today in the day of computers. Right. Imagine a person who just mails things, you know, overseas opposed to sending an email, which gets in, you know, a person's uh, inbox in a nanosecond. So you, you, you've got to consistently grow in society and growing, you have to grow mentally, physically, spiritually, well, not physically, but, you know, you have to grow mentally and spiritually and, and economically in order to um, thrive in today's market space. And, and it takes cultivation and relationships in order to do that. Well, you know, it's really important that you say that. And it also talks about understanding multiple streams of income. And uh, that's right. That's why you brought up the dancing. You was acting, dancing, other opportunities, modeling, all kinds of things to keep that check flowing. And now you move into another lane of being an entrepreneur in in the clothing line area. Talk to us about that. And why was it important to to go in that direction with your career, with your brand? Well, you know, sustainability is is incredibly important. And, um, you know, when it comes to to housing, you know, investment properties are important. Um, uh, Reinvestment of the money that you have, right? Mm -hmm. Because inflation happens, right? It it costs more for a loaf of bread today than it did five years ago. Costs more for milk today than it did five years ago. Costs more for water today than it did five years ago. And so sustainability is, is, is incredibly important. And so one of the things that I realized was, um, and this came after um, uh, a very close friend of mine um, experienced a death in the family, a suicide. And it was because of, um, you know, them not being able to handle 
levels of difficulty and just stress and 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 unfortunately she committed suicide mm-hmm. and I said man I, I've got to do something now people know that I speak you know long and strong I speak you know for companies um, doing their brand marketing campaigns I speak in colleges universities HBCUs but one of the things that I said is I can't be everywhere at one time which is why I started to author books. But then I thought, man, you know, people love wearing shirts that have sayings on them. So I came up with an idea. I was blessed with this idea of of being a billboard for God. Wow. And I said, I want to be a billboard for God. So I named the company God's Billboard T-Shirts. And so I, I created God's Billboard T-Shirts. One of the T-Shirts says, I am more than enough. And I approve this message. The other, the uh, because people need to know that they're more than enough. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't need anybody to say you're, you're validated. When I thought about, yeah, when I thought about that, I was like, oh, here it is. I'm already validated by the Most High. I don't need your approval. And so that's another T-shirt. So I am more than enough. I approve this message. I am validated by the Most High. I don't need your approval. Is my other T-shirt. One of the other T-shirts says, I'm a spiritual warrior. I fight my battles through prayer. You see, so these are T-shirts that let the shirts do the talking. And they're power words. That's what we call them, power words, right, mm-hmm. that empower you. And mm-hmm. it was it was interesting. I heard this lady one time, this guy was talking to this woman, and he was like, well, well, sister, tell me how old you are. She said, you know, you never ask a woman's age. And I thought, I said, you know what? <laughs> yeah, or, or their weight. And I said, you know what? Good things take time. So don't ask my age. That's another T-shirt that I have. And women love that T-shirt. And I just thought, I, I've heard women over the years say, you know, a gentleman never asked a woman's age. And so I created a shirt that says, good things take time, mm-hmm. so don't ask my age. So God's billboard T-shirt is about being a billboard for God and about being empowered. And so you let your shirt do the talking. And so people know, you know, when you, when you speak, you put your brain on display. So I just thought sometimes we don't want to have to say anything so we can let our shirts do the talking. So that's what we do at God's Billboard T-shirts.com. We let our shirts do the talking. Well, my friend, I want to help you on my social media, on my fan club. Give me a banner. That's why I created Money Making Conversations so I can bring entrepreneurs like you who are recognized as celebrities. And sometimes people forget they have other other opportunities to be entrepreneurs. And that's what I created. That's why I created Money Making Conversations. So definitely have your team get them over to me. I have a newsletter go out every week to 90,000. I almost got a million social media followers. And D, I will promote you, brother. You my man. I will promote you. It's beautiful. I love you to life. And I'm just, I'm really thankful to be speaking to you, you know, after so many years of us knowing each other. Absolutely. But let's let's get back to this. Let's get back to the, the show. Well, you are, yes, uh, uh, let me say, let me see, sexy, uh, good looking, <laughs> fine. That's what all the women be saying. You know, tough, a killer, smart. Uh, my man, I'll tell you, the family business now. You play Orlando Duncan, uh, have a degree, have a degree in chemistry, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Sir. Um, well, suddenly after the, uh, see, see, let me tell you, the second season now, See, you wearing these clothes now. Are, are you picking out all your clothes? Yeah, you know, we, we, we have a, a, a great um, 
fashion and, and costume designer on the show, Adrian, and, and Adrian and I had a conversation okay. about the second season. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted to do is, you know, the Duncans are a very wealthy family. Absolutely. They're a very astute family, very well-respected family. And, um, and you know, Orlando has a... Uh, um, a uh, a style, you know. We always see him with his toothpick, and we always oh see yeah, him the with signature his... toothpick. I was gonna ask you yes, about sir. that, but you blew my question. Yes, but we talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And we see him with these with these you know beads that he he wears, these precious stones around his neck. We mm-hmm. always see him in that, mm-hmm. and so that is that is something that I wanted to bring to the table for the character um, because of certain awarenesses that are gonna unfold during the season, and. Um, and and so we talked about the second season and clothing because, you know, you get more money and we know more money, more problems. But at the same time is, you know, he's not a flashy dude, but he's a very confident dude. And so the second season, we just decided to, you know, style him up a little bit more, make him a little bit fresher and cleaner. And I think that uh, Adrena's has done a great job doing that. What's well, caught my eye, because the premiere episode, <laughs> the premiere episode, the suit jacket you had on was one of my suits. One of my suit material right there. So I know she, I know where she got that from. Then you, you had understand. that fur coat on. Ooh. That fur coat, that half fur coat on. Then you had that yellow jacket, man. Woo! That was a cold yellow jacket. Then you had that orange jacket, man. All I know is, man, that I know they stepped up because I saw the first season and I came back because that's the first thing I got to ask, Darren. Man, your clothing, you know, is outstanding. It fits your brand. It fits the it fits the killer and the sexy guy that you are because you're not trying to look like you. Trying to, but I expect that to be you. You feel me? Exactly. Orlando is is a diversified man, and as I said, you know, when he walks into a room, you know, all eyes turn to him, and and that's really what it's about. You know, when he shows up, he's making a statement. Yes. So every time he makes a move, if you remember when he wore the jacket, uh, the fur, uh, his his father LC said, "What is that?" He said, "It's it's, it's my coat." He yeah. says, "But what is it?" He said. Yeah, but I look good and it's all right. You know what I mean? So it's like he, he can do that. Yeah. And Junior made he a can, comment. He can do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he said, he said, yeah, you're the boss. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I am the boss. Right. And right. so, you know, he does things the way he wants. And, you know, he always walks with his protection in case anybody wants to act up mm-hmm. or act out. And so, you know, Orlando's the cat that uh, he's quiet, but he's always aware of his surroundings, what he's doing, where he's going. And the things that he can't control, you know, he makes sure that he puts himself in a position to understand um, what he must do next. It was always good. To, he has a. I'm talking to Darren Dewitt Watson. Uh, he has a show on UMC. Uh, the streaming right now already been renewed called Double Cross. But we're talking about his new series that's airing right now on BET Plus. It's called The Family Business. He's a member of the uh, Duncan family, which is a powerful family that. Uh, rides through Duncan Motors. That's what everybody says. It's exotic cars. But at night, That's right. they got a sister. We got, we got London. You got Paris. They sisters. Then you got Sasha. She's the niece. Oh, my God. The sexiness is great. But before we get into those characters, how did you get the opportunity to get this role, Darren, of Orlando well, Duncan? It's, 
Yeah, it's it's amazing because Tridestin Films actually uh, produces the show, right? And um, and you know I, I I have a relationship with Andy and Trey and Veronica and and uh, and you know I remember I created this vision board. You know, as as I said, Darren DeWitt Henson is a man who likes to evolve. Darren DeWitt Henson is a man who likes to grow and diversify. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day sitting down and I said, I, I need to create a new vision board. So I sat down and I wrote out this vision board and I thought about people that I wanted to work with. And, um, you know, I, I, I had a bunch of different names on the vision board and, um, it was it was amazing because I wrote Armand Asante on my vision board. He did this movie years ago called Mambo King. I know. And uh, with Antonio Vendetta. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I love that film. Absolutely. I love Very good. That film. And so I put Armand Asante on my vision board. One of the people I put on my vision board mm -hmm. to work with. About three weeks later, I get a call from Andy Brown. She said, brother, I got something for you. I said, talk to me, Andy. She said, you know, we're working with Carl Weber. We did a deal with Carl Weber for all of his books. And we're going to be shooting a movie uh, for family business. And we want you to play the son of Ernie Hudson. Wow. And I said, come on. I said, stop playing with me. And she said, no. She said, and she explained about the exotic car business and of course the underground business. And I said, Andy, send me the script. I want to read it. I said, but based upon what, you, what you're saying, I can almost tell you, you know what I'm saying? This is something I'm gonna love to do. I said, tell me who else is involved. Mm -hmm. She said, get this, Armand Asante. <laughs> I said, come on, man. And see, so that's why it's important to write down your vision and make it plain because the law of attraction is very, very real. Right. Man, when I got the script, I read it. I mean, you, you just don't say no. It's like Denzel Washington being given the American Gangster script. Mm -hmm. Like, you just don't say no. And when I got the script, I read it. I called her back the next day and I said, I'm in. And so immediately it was Ernie Hudson, Valerie Pettiford, Amon DeSante, you know, and, and the rest of the cast. And I became Orlando Duncan when the contracts were signed. And the history of the family business uh, and Carl Weber's The Family Business, Tridestin, had begun. And then, of course, BET picked it up as a series because we were shooting it for a movie. I know. Mm -hmm. But BET fell in love with it and said, no, we want this as our series. And then when BET signed it and the family business premiered, it became like the Super Bowl champs for BET. Man, I'm just telling you that, uh, you know, I, I've, I've watched the series grow from the first episode. I watched the characters develop and I can see the, more, the money being invested into the series and all that stuff. You know, let's, the two things I really like about the series is some of the, the things that you guys have dropped into this series that I don't normally see. I love that NASCAR diversity episode. Mm -hmm. I thought that it's, was smart and very yeah. timely. Talk about that. Yeah, it's genius. It's, it's, again, it's the mind of Carl Weber and bringing NASCAR into it. You know, NASCAR now has black drivers. So why not acknowledge NASCAR 
and, and their diversity program. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what we talked about on the show. You know, diversification is incredibly important. And um, so they brought that in, which, which also brings a much larger audience in. Mm-hmm. You know, NASCAR is huge. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and to speak about the genius of Carl Weber, as you can see, we also have Latino players on the show. Um, you know, Yadi Rivera, who plays Consuela, Emilio Rivera is on the show. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we got We got Luke. We got Luski um, on the show, who people know from Soul Train, who's killing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know his 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 role as Senor Cruz. Um, you know who's mm-hmm. now in a wheelchair. Um, it's just you know it's diversification on the show. You know it's a diversified. Um, um, lot on the show, actors on the show, and it appears to, to everybody. You know, the first season we had you know Asian people on the show, absolutely. And so you know, Carl Weber and his mind um, and his genius um, in writing, um, and then Trey Haley's directing is just—it it really just goes hand in hand with the genius that we know to be uh, the family business. Yes, and it is, and it's all held together by. You know, our super producer, you know, N.D. Brown. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And, absolutely. You know, and, yeah. uh, and, and then then another thing that I noticed about the series was uh, the use of the Nation of Islam type style, the brothers. The, yeah. That I've never seen. That I've never seen like this in a series. And I thought that yeah. was very uniquely put in there and style and poignantly placed. Talk about that. Yeah, well, we have two different types of um, brothers on the show. Mm-hmm. We have the, um, with all due respect, mm-hmm. with all due respect, we have, you know, the, the type um, that we see on the show, um, which we, we call um, um, Brother Minister, who yes, represents sir. a mm-hmm. similar type, a similar type Absolutely. in the nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. And then you have the extremists, um, that we brother see X. in the Tretch, yeah, brother <laughs> X in the Tretch character, who's you know just extreme and and street and you know jail ridden and and vigilantes, which is completely different right. from the representation of of the brother brother minister, mm-hmm. um, who's the peaceful, um, organized, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you know type of uh, Muslim. Um, and, you know, so that is more of a nation of Islam type that he represents. And Absolutely. we can see that even Orlando took instruction and was under, um, the brother minister. Remember he talked about that. brother minister. Mm-hmm. So exactly. He's, he's always so, take that advice and has served him well over the years. Absolutely. And we can see the chemist, he's educated, you know, he's, he's a, a man of respect and honor so we can see that you know show on the show wow you know i, I want to get a little bit deeper into this uh as you know i'm a fan of the show as you can tell i'm talking to uh darren dewitt dewitt winson excuse me darren Henson. dewitt henson excuse me oh, yes, no, sir. i yes, got tongue tied after dewitt i apologize <laughs> darren uh but on the family business let's talk about uh you know some of the people I love on this, you got Tretch on the show, Lisa Ray on the show, my boy, he got killed, but Clifton Powell on the show, uh, Valerie Petterford, she's on the, uh, playing the mama Charlotte, uh, on the show. Just a, just a, well, of course, Ernie Hudson being the, uh, LC and, uh, my boy,
boy Michael Jai White. He's in jail. He plays Vegas. Just a yeah, just a litany of just Vegas. great, great talent, man. That's just out there. And uh, Parrish, I think she just got cast as the new Batwoman for CW. Yes, she did. And yes, so she did. you know they out there stealing talent from the show now. What I'm saying? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. You know, Tri Destin has done such a great job by bringing you know, people together, you know, Michael Jai White and I are very close. We're like brothers in real life. So right. he was a perfect pick to play my brother, um, Vegas in the show. And then of course our patriarch, uh, Ernie Hudson and our matriarch, Valerie Pettiford are just, I mean, Valerie and Ernie together, um, as, as husband and wife on the show are just, I don't think it just gets any better. And when, when, when she kicked Sonya out the house, man, Talking about oh, uh, my Uber, Uber, Uber waiting on you. Ah, man, I'm oh, gonna tell you something, man. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 was, I was saying to myself, I don't know if he watched these other scenes, but boy, that's, a, that's about the coldest scene I've seen a yeah. woman do on TV to another woman. We've already voted her the Emmy winner, as far as we're concerned. Dude, <laughs> we said dude, they might dude, as well. dude they that scene right there, well I swear to, to you, that scene right there, she should get an Emmy. I, she told yeah. her Uber outside, Uber waiting on you. I called her. That's right. She said, we're, we're done here. Oh, we're done yeah, here. We're done. We're done. Yeah. Oh, oh Valerie. Valerie. Dude, that, that scene that right scene. there, I got to get on the show to talk about that scene. That right there oh alone, Valerie. Because for you know, the show, the reason it works, it's a family show. You all live in the yeah. same house. Y'all, yeah. We know y'all deal, you're dealing with danger. We know. And the thing I like about it, usually you see the white series make this happen, make it work like this. And to see a black series accomplish what we see on TV all the time, like the Sopranos, all the Godfather shows, the Untouchable shows, all these shows, and to see it being manipulated so well and being articulated and bringing credibility, because I'm telling you, brother, I, I, you know, when it dropped six episodes on, I think, July 2nd, I watched them. I watched them, okay? Thank you. And, and, and waiting for a seventh. Whenever that comes out, I don't know when that's dropping, but they need to hurry up because your boy yeah. waiting, waiting. Look, we look, we're we're waiting to get, get back to work. But I, I got to tell you, when we were on set, when she did that scene, the whole set was quiet. Oh yeah, the, the, it, was like, Valerie? it was like yeah, it was like every everybody, everybody moved and walked away because it was like nobody was getting near her when she had that knife in her hand because. Everybody felt it. That's right. She was cutting was that like, salary, right? When she was cutting oh, salary. Oh, man. man. It was, let me tell you. She made everybody walk out that house. I'm going to tell you that right now. And so that's what you get on the family business. You get people who Dude. come to work. You get people Dude. who come to play. You get Dude. people who come to lay it down. Dude. The Duncans ain't playing. Nobody came to, 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 to fall asleep. We came to put in the work and to create legacy on the show. And, you know, I was telling somebody this the other day. I said, you know, lightning has struck, yes. you know, twice for me when it comes to family shows. You know, first I was blessed to get soul food. Yes, sir. And now I'm on the family business. Yes. Which is, which is this strong, beautiful, charismatic, not to be messed with family. Lightning has truly struck twice for me. And so... 
for me, it's something that I, I really, again, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of to work with these actors. You know, we got Tammy on the show. We got Michael. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about that right quick on Tammy's character, because I like what you guys did with her character, because in the in the pilot episode, Harris hit her. You know, so I I thought she was going to play an abusive woman. But the new season, she's not taking that stuff. I like the fact they made her strong because like they said, like Junior said, before there was Paris, there was London. Okay, she's a Duncan. Yes, she was a she yes. was a Duncan. That yeah. can only go on for so long, right? And you see, she had a, 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 a out of marital affair. Yes, she did. Um, mm-hmm. And and but we got to see what happened when that happened. She, mm-hmm. you know, she she had an out of marital affair, but then look what happened. Yes. Look who he was. Yes, Dash. you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, so that 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 was a lesson for her too. Like don't don't step out of your marriage. Hey, Darren, when I'm you there, do, I'm but you ain't gonna mess with me, man. Act like I don't know your show, brother. Okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what I'm saying? D, D, I see D, you. D, I see you. I see you calling the names. <laughs> I see you calling every name. Hey man, it out. I got to man because I'm supporting this man. I'm supporting this. I, I just when I say I, I when I you know like I said I'm busy a lot and I saw these pro. I said that's my boy D. I said that's the you got me smiling from here every character. Hey, I said I said we got to get him on the show. I said oh well hey 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 <laughs> find him. I got to talk to him. This show on yes, fire sir. when Uncle yes, Lou sir. died. You know Lisa yes, Lisa lost her blonde hair when 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 Valerie came over there and snatched it off. Her head. I'm telling you some Sasha. I, you know, the reason I like these characters because you guys are busy, not just on family business, but y'all working on other episodes. Like the, the young lady on Sasha, she's on Fatal Affair, which is on Netflix. Yes, sir. KJ. You know, yes, you know, sir. So, so I, I love the fact, man. I just wanted to bring you on the show, not to just one time because I've always been a fan. I'm just my life in the point now where I can support people that I love. My brand is big now where I can, people can come to me. I can help them promote their brand and promote product that they want to get out there in the streets and to the general public on social media. And I just want to take your time and say thank you, man, because you give me a show that I enjoy. That I look forward to seeing. You, you know, you're looking good. You're articulate. Your hairline is tight. Your muscles are right. Your clothes are on fire. And uh, yes, Valerie, sir. I got to get her on the show because I'm telling yes, you, that scene right there when she was cutting that salary, brother, we through here. Oh, huh? we're going to make that happen. We yes, through sir. here. Uber outside. Huh? Uber. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know what she said. Oh, I, oh, I, we done. Oh, we done here. <laughs> I, said, I had to play that back. What you say? What you say? Uber outside. Huh? Let me Uber. tell you something. We call her mama all day long. Hey, dude, mama dude, on and off screen. Dude, we love dude, Valerie. Dude. And I love the way y'all, because the first season, her character wasn't as dominant as the second season. I just love the way they've all flushed out the women to be stronger for the yes. second season. All of them are playing. Yes. They have a voice. That's why I love what they did. Tammy, she's not taking no smack. She's slapping hair. She's worried about eating her food, worried about That's sleeping. Right. He might get shot. He don't eat. That's right. He's tippy-toeing around there because I didn't like That's that. Right. I went, man, he can't, we can't do this, man. Not in the day man, era. London, London, London is a Duncan. Yes. It was only so long she was going to take Absolutely. It. Absolutely. So, D, uh, man, we're going to do 32 minutes, man. I didn't want to take you this long, brother, but I wanted to just talk to you, man. We won't, uh, ain't nothing going to get edited. Don't worry about that. But no, tell your people to get your banners to me, D, so we can promote your stuff and tell Valerie I got to get her on my show, man. I know these characters, yes. dude. I know these characters. I watch your show. Family business. BET plus. Appreciate no, you, brother. I love you to life. I love you to life, brother. <laughs> and we're going to talk Thank soon, too. We're going to talk soon, okay, too. absolutely. Thank you, my brother. Right. Bye, D. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be right back with more 
from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Cars today are like computers on wheels, but you can't fix any of the new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY. Or visit CarShield.com and use code MONEY to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is a professional fisherman. And he is the host right there. Professional. See right there. A bunch of amateurs. All, all you amateurs, get close to the close, close. I'm talking to a professional now. And he is the host of a fishing story with Ronnie Green. A fishing story is a series of a series filled with his philosophy to celebrate the small things in life. He shares his passion for fishing and has a gift for finding the stories that aren't often told with his guests each week. The show is available now on CBS Sports Network, Amazon Prime Video, World Fishing Network, and Discovery Go. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation the man who taught me how to fish again. Ronnie Green. <laughs> How you doing, Rashawn? I'm so delighted to be on the show, man. It is awesome to be here. Well, I, I, you know, it, it's really good. Let's, let's the whole concept of fishing. I, I, you know, I come from the inner city, and it's Houston, Texas, Fifth Ward. And my dad used to take me cane fishing. Cane, that's what you do, know, cane pole, and had a little cork yes, and sir. drop that bad boy in there, and. It, and you, you move it a little bit, and once that bad boy, that cork sunk, you know you had a fish, and you pulled it real fast, and you <laughs> threw that bad boy on the bank. I mean, I, I mean that, that's a cane pole fishing right there. That's big time. Yes, sir. Lord, I, I, that I did is the, real I did the perch. I did the small, small, uh, small uh, bass, the large mouth bass, and them horrible catfish. Boy, man. <laughs> and you know, you don't know what you don't know until you actually start fishing it with other people. And that's the premise behind our show is that's where I learned my uh, prowess in fishing from my great grandmother. What's mm-hmm. interesting about it, Rashonda, is mm-hmm. she was a fisherwoman that was at a whole different level. Right. Now, I fished with my dad initially, and he just wanted to spend time with his boys. And he really wasn't a, an incredible fisherman, didn't have the passion. Right. But she had the passion. But what was interesting is I learned so much about her life and our family history just by spending quality time with her, which nobody wanted to do because they thought fishing was boring. So I'd come back with all these history anecdotes all the time saying, hey, did you know this about Grandpa so-and-so and Paul Paul and da-da-da-da? And they were like, where you learn all that? Uh, fishing with Granny. And that's what we call her. <laughs> and so, hence, a fishing story was born with my great grandmother, and she's smiling right now. That, that, that's, that's really interesting because, you know, 
that it was, when I was out there, because you came by my house in Atlanta, and we sat down, we met, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I have a small little pond, lake on my backyard, is fully stocked. And you asked me, he said, "How's the fishing?" I said, "Got great, lot of nice, lot of great fish out there." But I had never went out there myself because I'm a cane pole guy. I got the re- I got the equipment. You know that I got the equipment. Right? I look like I know what I'm doing. And you said, "Well, let's go out there and see what you can do." <laughs> And that's half the battle, you know? Let's go out there and see what you can do, Rashad, with the fishing, with the real and raw. You got these cane pole stories. And and when I went out there, man, the relaxation part of it was amazing. You know, because I just go down there and just sit on my rock and watch the waters, the memos and the frogs and the little the little bugs hopping around on the water, the little ripple. That calms me. That's why I have that property. It just calms me. But the fact that I was just casting out there, it really took me to a different level of serenity, I like to believe, in my mind emotionally. Talk about that whole experience and why it is so, so, so calming to fish. Well, the thing is, is most people have never been able to quantify. A lot of physicians and uh, psychologists and therapists try to understand that there's something special about it. As a matter of fact, the Veterans Administration has gone to a level to where they are recognizing it is helpful for veterans with PTSD. Right. And one of the things that I explain to people is, and I don't try to get too deep, but I said, you know, if you think about it, what is our body made up of? A lot of water. Right. So I feel like every time that I, I'm around water, whether it's salt water or fresh water, there's a kindredship to where I came from or what I relate to. So I feel like that there is no data officially, and that's what they're doing is they're doing their extended study about it and actually trying to establish a documented reason. But I feel like based on my life's experience, what I call shoe leather research, which means my feet on the street or my feet in the boat, that is the best uh, uh, data in the world because I feel like that our body is made up of a lot of water. And so when you go and you're actually around salt water or fresh water, there's some type of kindredship. Right. You're close to it. Right. So, so it, it, it's something about it. We still will never probably understand it, even though they do the studies. And you know what, Rashawn, sometimes some things just shouldn't be understood. We just know it has a positive effect on us. And so that's kind of the way I feel about it, because every time I'm having a, a a long week, sometimes my wife will even encourage me. I think right. you need to go fishing. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, well, you know, and, 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 and it's and it's crazy because of the fact and I say crazy in a good way, because of the fact that, you know, I'm looking at this water and it, I know it relaxes me. And then I had another gift of being able to equally relax me, relax me and just keep my mind active, you know, because that's relax. Mm. That's what that's what I learned from you when you came out there and you you just you just turned me. You, you gave me another turn to the process, you know, because, you yeah. know, our brains, man, we, it, it just flows. It just flows. It just flows, you know, from bills yes. to controversy to to issues mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. parenting to 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 mobiles and jobs and and so out there yeah. it pushed all that to the to the to the back and all I was worried about was that how far I can get that 
that hook out in that water, you know, and getting it back fast enough. And so I didn't think about nothing else but that that little one-two punch that I was dealing with. And boy, when I snagged one, you saw how big I was smiling. When I snagged yes, sir. one, yes, sir. And, brought it in and, and, and then returned it to the water, you know, and let, let, you know, released wow. it back out. That was that was like a really 360 for me as far as the, uh, the, the whole process of what you're talking about when it comes to, you know, the meditation part, the, the being in, the, in the mm-hmm. environment that will calm you. And that's what I think that they're saying. It, it pushes back all that noise that can be in your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that's yeah. important. That's important. And you know what, Rashawn, that, that gets to the show as well, because when we do the show on the water, one of the things that people know that when they watch the show, there's something that has never been done on it, this particular uh, type of show, uh, especially in the fishing industry, is there is a release of emotions that occurs. What I mean by that is we have people that get extremely emotional and there's even a reputation. People give me a hard time about it. I'm not going to cry on your show, but it's not something that we script. There's nothing you can script about it, but something about it, you're so relaxed and relieved and all the stresses go away. And then it also purges your soul, so to speak. And at the end of the day, there's that release of emotion that is natural and organic. Hence, you have a organic show where people are telling their life stories on the water and that whole connection thing again. Right. Okay. I'm talking to Ronnie Green. He's just the host of a fishing story with Ronnie Green. I got to ask a question. That everybody's probably asking, how does the black man get in the professional fishing game? How does the black man get in the professional fishing game? Because we know it's a white industry. How did you do that? And there's some more anglers as well who are African-Americans. Let's talk about you. Yeah, so uh, how I started, well, I'm a former officer in the United States Marine Corps, Semper Fi, and then also uh, after the Marine Corps, I was also a corporate citizen, what I would consider, you know, I was a sales manager in the medical device business, pacemakers, defibrillators, the whole nine yards. So the Mm -hmm. clinical aspect, you know, and and then way prior to that, I was also a former All-American sprinter. So those life experiences mm-hmm. helped me and shaped me. But all along with all those things I've accomplished in life, my great grandmother helped me to learn that always keep this in the back of your pocket. This is your therapy. Right. So I would go through life and always fish and do things. And then after my mother passed away in 2007, my kids were old enough to graduate from high school and did their thing and on to college. I said, now it's my time. Uh, and, and it's my focus about me. At the end of the day, I started fishing some tournaments, and it was also therapeutic. For now, me. How, do you, how do you fishing. get in a tournament now? Would you just, anybody can just fish in a tournament, or you just pay a fee? How does that work? Yes, and that's a great question. And what happens is you pay a fee, right. and uh, you, you can, so it might be an entry fee of a few thousand dollars. Okay. And it might be 180 anglers. What you want to do is hone your skills up before you get to that level. So mm-hmm. what I did is I actually fished in a tournament. I signed up as a co-angler first. And what that is, is the person that's on the boat and you're with a stranger, but you're not running the boat. You're in someone else's boat and you're a co-angler competing against other co-anglers. So I was very successful in that. Then I graduated to the front of the boat. Okay. Well, let's so let's slow down. Let's slow down. Right. Cause I was, yeah. Now, okay. What did to be good at being a co-angler? What did you have to do as far as, catching or is it size is the amount is it a time window what is that that's a great question as well so what it is is with that uh eight hour period 
you have to catch the largest five fish you can catch. Right. And that's the whole objective. And as a co-angler, you also have to think and be strategic as well because the person in the front of the boat has first opportunity of a fish that's probably more aggressive to catch that fish. So you're fishing behind them, you're getting the leftovers. So you got to have a counter bait that's going to be just as good, but may not be the exact same bait as the primary angler you're fishing with. And so I was very successful at that. And uh, again, when you go to the stage, you are competing against other co-anglers. And so your weight counts against all the other co-anglers. And uh, I've won a lot of money and a lot of uh, tournaments and uh, uh, doing that and then uh, moved on to the front of the boat. And that is so exciting. And there is only, just so you know, uh, in the fishing industry, I can count on my hand four African-American people that are fishing professionally for a living. That's Brian Latimer, Mark Daniels, Isman Rowe, and then myself, who is also on TV. So it is a very <laughs> difficult sport because it, the, the business model was similar to NASCAR. Right. And so what that means is you have to have sponsors. Right. And and, and on your and show, I saw Mercury, I saw Ranger Boats, and I saw Bass Pro Shops. Absolutely. So Bass Pro Shops is uh, one of the most influential and the most powerful in the industry. And I am fortunate enough to be with Bass Pro Shops. Mercury Marine, incredible engine uh, company here in America that does a great job. And what I love about Mercury is they are one of the most diverse companies that I've ever seen. They are way far ahead than what I've seen most companies. And, and, and I love that about Mercury. And then the uh, Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits, um, they are incredible as well. So they've all been supportive. And, you know, they've been there with me uh, from day one. And, and I can appreciate it. And we wouldn't be able to bring a lot of good content without them. And uh, and so so how does one get a sponsor? I'm just going through some steps here. Just let everybody know, because you're in such a unique field. You're an African-American. We we all know like NASCAR is a white dominated sport. And and so that means I don't know if every environment you go in is a comfortable environment. But just talk about your experience overall in the fishing industry in the beginning and now. So in the beginning, of course, uh, just like anything, when people think you have a TV show, uh, people are just going to pass out sponsorships because you're on TV. Mm-hmm. Wrong answer. That is not the way it works. So what they do is they'll watch you. And quite honestly, it's a high risk. And some of them are still uh, trying to learn uh, uh, to deal with African-American because um, a lot of them have never been exposed. I won't say a lot, but quite a few right. have not been exposed to African-American culture. So you have a, what I call a cognitive dissonance of what you see. You see this polished African-American person uh, who is patriotic as well and you're in the Marine Corps, um, but yet and still your belief system based on what you've seen and heard is not recognizing what you see and there is the cognitive dissident. Right. So you're fighting against yourself. So ultimately that leads to sometimes not getting a sponsorship, but the folks that are always progressive in their thinking in the sense of not necessarily affiliated with a political party, but more so just understanding that we all want to sell more product. They will find a way to bring on the best in the business that do what they do. And hence, that's how I've been able to get an opportunity. Now, Ronnie, I got Amazon Prime, so I can, uh, so I can, I can see you on Amazon Prime. All seasons? Yes, you can. Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) uh, The first three seasons, and we've had some more content coming that direction. I probably had three additional uh, uh, episodes or seasons coming 
uh, within the next, I think, two months. So what, what is, what is the episode? Is it half hour or you have one guest? You have regular people, celebrities, politicians, athletes. Who, who are, Who's on the boat with you when you're fishing? That's a great question, Rashawn. And we see whoever has an incredible uh, uh, story. Typically, you'll see entertainers, athletes, everyday people alike, veterans, firefighters, politicians, um, and just people like you and I that, you know, want to do some fishing, but they have a great story. We had recently uh, Dr. Hammond. She's a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the interesting thing. She's never fished before in her life. We had one of the best fishing days I've had on the show with her, and we were fishing with artificial. Why is that important? Because artificial is a very difficult bait to fish with if you've never done artificial. Live bait is easy because that's filet mignon for, to the fish. Right. They can eat that easy. Mm -hmm. But to artificial has to mimic something live, and you got to make it come alive. She was a fast learner, and we caught literally close to 100 fish, trout. Uh, on a given day. That's never happened before. It was just fast and furious. But my point is simply this. Anyone that has a story, we will find the accommodations for fishing style that actually is, caters to the level of fishing ability that they have. Well, guess what? I, I think mine was at her level when you met me in my backyard. <laughs> to, yeah. to, to, to my little lake it's angry yeah you know you, you you got the equipment but you have no skills so so but i, I think that helps when somebody and and just women in general are more curious and more patient where men we tend to want to like just burst down the door and i got this i got this i got this so yes yes yeah <laughs> You know, the noisy, being noisy, fish here, you know. Hey, man, if you don't shut up, okay, fish can hear vibrations in the water. Oh, what? Really? Yes, yes, yes. Fishing is a quiet sport, okay? It's not a football game, not basketball. Just want to let you know, you not you don't holler at the baseball fish, you know. You don't do that fishing, okay? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Why we not get no fish? Well, you keep screaming like that, you won't get any. Just let you know that. I didn't know I'm telling the truth. You know, you are telling it like it is, you know, and I can appreciate that because my dad used to be that way with us. He's like, boy, shut your mouth. Yeah. I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. Fish got ears down. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Don't go there, young man. Don't go there. You know, you be out there with well, the fish. Be out there with the fish. That's okay. Right. You get That's right. Hope you can swim. Knock you off this boat. You say right. one more time. So let's, let's, talk about, let's, talk, let's, let's talk about this, Ronnie. The essentials of going out there and fishing. Do you have to have your off mosquito repellent when you go out there? What do you got to have? What do you got to have? I, I, here's what's so interesting is you have to have some probably not as much mosquito repellent as you think. And okay. I'm in Florida. This is mosquito Mecca. And I oh, think they all on steroids. It's oh, big yeah. mosquitoes. Oh, oh, yes. But what I do is I fish in the daytime. Okay. What my, my actual essential is, is sunscreen. Yes. I have melanin in my skin. I'm an African American, right. but sunscreen is so important because you can get some, I've seen some African American get skin cancer. And wow. I'm like, I don't think that's supposed to happen. Yeah. But what happens is it's all about education. So, Definitely have the sunscreen. That's the first thing I do mm -hmm. uh, is make sure the sunscreen's on. So mm -hmm. I'm greased up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then I also make sure that uh, you have the appropriate gear. Right. If you've never fished before, probably want to have a spinning rod. And what a spinning rod is, it has a bail on it 
and it has the elongated um, eyes that come off the rod. And it's a lot easier to learn with a spinning rod than a bait caster. Bait caster gets you in trouble if you've never thrown it before. But a spinning rod is so important. And a lot of people still fish with it, even though they may how to may know how to throw right. a bait caster. So it's it's a good place to start. And then I like to have some good fishing line. I like to throw fluorocarbon mm-hmm. versus monofilament. Right. And what's the difference? Monofilament is a little bit more stretchy. And it can be seen, but the fluorocarbon, it reflects the light, reflects the light so you can't see it underwater. Why is that important? Because the fish can't see it as well. In mm. addition, it does not have stretch. So if it doesn't have stretch, once you get a bite, when you pull on that thing, you're pulling the fish. Wow. Mono has a little stretch. So those are all little important things, and people have little... Uh, idiosyncrasies that they use uh, with fishing, and then some people even have superstitions. Some people don't believe in having bananas in a boat. I'm sorry, I'm going to eat whenever I'm hungry, and I'm going <laughs> to eat whatever I want to eat. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, you know, there is all sorts of superstitions with fishing, but then there's also a lot of information about fishing that people didn't know, that I didn't learn. I didn't learn about George Snyder until probably about seven or eight years ago. He was a person that created the first reel made in America in nine, in eighteen twenty. Mm-hmm. He was African America and mm. he created the first reel. Nobody knew that. People ask questions like, Man, I'm so glad to see African Americans fishing. Stop right there. African Americans <laughs> were some of the first to fish. Right. Always, and but, but addition, isn't that isn't that the, isn't that the problem we having right now with that our history? They always talk about canceling culture. The word the black culture has always been canceled. And, wow, that is a good point. You know, because of the fact that because mm-hmm. and, 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 we're about to transition to into your two part series, the difficult dis- discussion, because of the fact that when I look at uh, our president, you know, quick to sign uh, executive orders to protect the Confederate statues. Okay, and then turn around and say that Black Lives Matter is a hate group and and not understanding the the accomplishments we had. That's why when Drew Brees said his father's fought in the war and his grandfather fought in the war, because in his mind, he's never been educated that black people fought in anything. Absolutely. Because my. the history is not mm-hmm. there. You know, the history doesn't write us in like that. And, you know, we, we, we they brought us over. They freed us. Okay, then it moved up to to uh, the the uh, I have a dream speech. Then it moved up to the civil rights, and after that, brother, you know we didn't do anything else but uh, stay on welfare, sell crack, and, uh, and and raise the crime rate according to the population that wants to push that narrative. And so when I hear you talk about eighteen twenty and a black man created the the first really fishing rod, I'm not stunned. Because as you all know, black people, we're creative because basically we're out there doing the work anyway. So if you're doing the work, you're going to figure out how to do it faster and easier and more convenient. That's why we created the cotton gin. Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you put together this uh, this two part series called the uh, difficult discussion. I I saw both episodes. uh, It was three black men, two white men. Tell us how you selected the five and tell us how the whole scenario, the whole scenario started, because it really was cool the way you did it, because you still kept the fishing aspect into the episode wrapped around this conversation, which I really enjoyed. I, I didn't I didn't know what to expect. But when I got there, I went, oh, this is this is not, I wouldn't say the word nice, but it was enjoyable because I wasn't dis- well, I, I wasn't it. taken out of the whole reason why 
watch the show, but I was able to hear honest conversation from men having a difficult conversations. Because even though the conversation flowed the way it flowed, some statements were held back a little bit, but a lot of honesty mm-hmm. was at least transmitted. Talk to us about it right quick, Ronnie. Yeah, so what we did is we took uh, some folks that have been on my show already. Everyone that was in the panel, uh, because I fished with them before, um, we had them on the show and I've called several uh, other folks and not everybody was comfortable. So I was okay with that. So I took the folks that were available and uh, we had some folks even fly in just to be a part of it because when a lot has gone on in our country over the last few months, uh, there's been a lot of conversation and uh, talking to friends and family and then talking to even the guys that were on the show before we even got on the show. And there was a lot of different dialogue and, and conversation about it. I said, well, why don't we bring it to a place, I said, where it's my lane. And mm-hmm. what I mean by my lane, I'm not going to try to walk into a surgeon's office and try to become a surgeon just right. because I want to. I'm not going to try to be a politician because I feel like I'm a politician, but I want to talk about honest issues from the platform that I have. And so we brought everybody on and we talked about the difficult discussions uh, with the show. It started off being just one show, but after all the content was done and CBS Sports agreed, we need to have two shows, right. two episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we got into some deep areas, Colin Kaepernick. We got into, you know, uh, uh, all of the folks being killed, you know, in the streets mm-hmm. by police uh and then we talked about a little bit of everything. But at the end of the day, we actually established the ground rules. And there was a ground rules that I established uh, just based on my interaction with folks. And me and my wife sit down and talk about it is belief system, because that's where everything starts. And so we define what a belief system is. And then we actually built on belief system by moving to narrative, because right. a narrative is an account of what you see sometimes infused with a belief system, which we all agree the belief system comes from our parents right. or parent figures. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, we talked about all those issues and always being, a- being able to refer back to belief system and narrative. So just because you see a certain thing doesn't mean that it's exactly what you see, but it's easy to ride the train when you feel like your emotions are stirred. Case in point is Colin Kaepernick. Right. Not talking about the, the, the important fig- factor in it is he sat down on his, uh, on his bottom, you know, uh, at, at first, and then uh, talked to and consulted Sergeant Boyer, who was a long snapper on the San Francisco 49ers. And he said, I agree with what you're doing, but it might be a little bit more respectful. You can do whatever you want, but I would recommend you take a knee. He said, well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take a knee and because he wanted to take a peaceful stance. But the message, the narrative was missed because he was doing it to actually bring attention to what we are dealing with right now, which is African-American people are being assassinated in the streets by people of authority that are paid to protect and serve. So that was the issue. But the narrative was flipped. And I talked about historically and we couldn't put everything into the episode uh we had to depend on the editor and i had to be a part of that process as well but we had to put what we could get in at the end of the day historically if you look at muhammad ali if you look at the folks in 1968 uh, olympics if you look at any entertainer yeah, John Carlos anyone, and tommy smith mm-hmm. yes sir mm-hmm. that takes a stand uh about something civil that is unrest that has to do with 
us, the narrative can be flipped because it's so easy to flip a narrative because you want to stop the momentum. The momentum is what you want to stop. Mm -hmm. So what you do is find a way to give a counter narrative. And I talked about even uh, Martin Luther King. There was always a counter narrative with him. But we celebrate him as a hero, American hero. We have a holiday dedicated to it. But there was so many more in our country that look like me. But again, narratives. So uh, it's interesting. No matter what we do, in some instances, sometimes the narrative can be flipped. And it's because there is always a countercurrent trying to say, hey, we don't want to give that credit because we don't want to give the ability for someone to actually change their belief system. Because if you change the belief system, then people believe that there's other people that did some other things in this country. There you go. We don't want that. That's the, that's the key right there. Giving credit, giving the recognition, you know, acknowledging that we did not share properly the history of African-Americans in our school books. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what we're mm -hmm. talking about. We're, you know, when you when you walk around here and you're saluting uh, statues that are, of the Confederacy and and uh, you hear the word traitor thrown out there a lot. They were traitors. They they fought against the, the, mm -hmm. the, the against the, exactly. they tried to they, they tried to divide this country. But we're saluting them as mm -hmm. heroes. But we don't salute our accomplishments throughout the community. You know, and so what That's we right. what we try to do. And so so when I was looking at the 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 two-parter you know was, i thought it was informative it was humorous you know the little what the little chubby guy name he was funny man he was funny he, he, oh, he knew how to oh, James he, Watson. he knew how to spend a good, com <laughs> a good conversation away and uh and i love what the conversation about you can disagree with african-american but you but are you are you're not a racist and that's that's what the conversation mm -hmm. we're trying to get to is they talk to me don't assume just talk to me just talk just talk mm -hmm. and that's what I, that was my big takeaway from watching your show was like just talk to me and I, and I get you there, mm -hmm. but but if you just assume of something about me, then that, that's that's where we all turn the wrong corner. When you when you lock your doors when I walk by, you know when you when you nervously walk past me, or when the cop, that a white person will never understand. I gotta say it like this: that it is different when a a cop stops a white person and a and a, an emotion that they feel when a cop stops a black person. Way you different would, emotions, uh, well, brother. I, Way different. Yes, sir. Because I said this, and I talked about it in in the very first episode. That was your first story about my experience. Yeah, yeah. You're the white about passenger, and they took you out. You know what I'm saying? And brought you to the rack, yeah. and the white passenger was like, "What's going on?" Hey, hey, hey. And, yeah, and that's exactly. that's really that's really where we at in our lives right now, man. And to see that, uh, first of all, you know, the, for you to do that for your show. Because you're going to reach a totally different audience. Audience, are very, you know, fishermen. We're not saying they they pretty conservative. They kind of rural minded individuals who needed yep, to see that conversation. Absolutely. Also, from some people who are courageous enough that were white to sit down and have this conversation. Because that's how we're going to win, man. That's the, that's, that's that's how the right. flag comes down at NASCAR, man. That's how we're going to remove some of these statues. These we want to remove them all. These Confederate statues and walk around and realize that I have value. And that's all you told me in your show, man. Ronnie, I want to thank you for doing that, man. For you know, realizing what what motivates you to do that about your show. To do that, bring that to your show. Well, well, I think a lot of my motivation is again. I always believe that. With everything going on, make no mistakes about it. I have emotion like anybody else, and I get upset. And I, but I always feel like you got to stay in your lane. So use your platform. So my wife is a physician, and where she does what she does is at work as a physician, and she can do what she does in, at her platform. But I felt like 
I, I was not granted and gifted this platform just to sit on it and feel comfortable. That's a problem. You cannot always feel comfortable. You got to get uncomfortable to make change. Mm-hmm. And that's the history of America is you got to do something that makes you uncomfortable and that causes growth, not just for you, but everybody around you. So I felt like I'm going to do it as fair and, and, and as possible by having a dialogue. And again, people are going to see it because a lot of folks have never been exposed to it. So at the end of the day, now they see a model here. We, now we got a best practice. So when people see a model, they may be able to replicate that behavior in a different environment. Cool. Ronnie, well, thank you for I can see this episode on Amazon Prime right now. Amazon Prime video. Uh, it will be coming. And as a matter of fact, we have and, and you'll hear it first yes, on your show is we're going to have an actual airing on 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 uh, YouTube as well, especially airing of both episodes, because we really want people to see this because many people don't have cable nowadays. Absolutely. I want to thank you, my friend, Ronnie Green. Got to come back to Atlanta, man. And, uh, you know, take me back out there and fish some more or, or just come out and eat dinner, man. You know, you came by my house to fix your breakfast. Remember, I laid it out for you. Man. Laid it out for you. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I'm still slapping people to this day because <laughs> it was so good. I good appreciate you, Ronnie. I didn't know you do it like that. I can do it like that, yeah. my friend. And thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations, Ronnie Green. Thank you, sir. All right. I appreciate if you want to hear more episodes of Money Making Conversations, please go to moneymakingconversations.com.